The social media revolution is upon us. Just in the last few years, it's been an explosion of social media use. Billions upon billions of people use it daily on an ongoing basis for entertainment, for information, for socializing, for communicating. That instantaneous access, the immediate response. Social media, vice or virtue. On one hand, it has opened up many opportunities. On the other hand, it's been quite a challenge, this social media addiction. How many hours are you attached to your phone? Even some of the horrors of social media. That's what we will be exploring. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? How do we create balance? Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com. This program is dedicated in honor of Gerard Levy. And we're speaking about social media, vice or virtue. There's barely a person on this earth that is not familiar with these two words, social media. A few decades ago, I remember when we still delivered mail snail mail on the back of donkeys and camels and uh, horses. It was a very different type of communication. With the emergence of the internet, essentially in 1994, 95, on a very public basis, and the birth of email, email, electronic mail, we, we entered into the age of instantaneous communication. It didn't have to be delivered by the post office in any other way, limited by the constraints of time and space. You write an email, press send, and there it went. It was all dependent on how fast your internet was. And that evolved over the years. And then we've gotten the, the new birth of social media. We're here even faster than email became this constant interactive. Email, you write to someone an email, they respond, they can respond quickly. But in social media, it's a whole different world. You live in a virtual reality online. And it's not just communications, it's sharing photos, sharing stories. It's become different forms of social media, which we're not going to go into every option, whether it began with Facebook, and then Twitter, and we have Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and the list goes on. I'm not discriminating against anyone, just not going to mention everyone because it's not the point. And this social media has opened up so many opportunities. I personally know from our own work, we put something posted on social media, it's an immediate sent out to everyone, to millions of people, literally, and you can get your immediate feedback. Some people love the live, instantaneous expression. Everybody knows how they use social media. 
But we also know that it has its dark side. Before we get to the darkest part, I just talk about basically becoming so dependent on it that you can't even function. How often do you check your phone? Do you feel guilty and frustrated you didn't re-answer? Or you didn't receive an answer? And we're checking the people's status. Did they read it? Did they not read it? And just the general being bound to something that becomes, you start wondering, is it emancipating me or is it enslaving me? And we do have iPhone or uh, whatever the phone is, smartphone addiction, where people literally are addicted to it. And the best proof is they can't live without it. Is that a good thing? Yes, there are many opportunities it provides. No doubt. So that's the first thing. What is Number two, what has it done to personal relationships? When's the last time we had an eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul conversation? And I should mention, of course, in these times of pandemic, social media as the online experience in general has boomed because it allowed for connection and communication, at least virtually when we couldn't socially be in physical proximity to one another. That's, that, in that sense, it's a blessing. But then there's the other side, the depersonalization element. How many friends do you have on Facebook? And how many are true friends? A whole new, tra- no, a whole new definition of friend has emerged. A friend, as I always understood it, was a trusted, loving individual, someone you can, you have confidence in, you know will not judge you. I'm talking about a good, a healthy friend. Here suddenly friend simply means somebody that checked the box, I will be connected. You may know them, you may not know them. The depersonalization of technology, what impact is that having on us individually and especially in our relationships? Can one have a long-distance virtual relationship? Will that replace? Is there something missing from not being in personal contact? I know people have been dating during COVID-19. And there's something, of course, that's lacking. There's something about being in the presence of someone, their body language, their vibe. So how, what impact is that having on us? And especially the more we become dependent on it, how much more it takes control of our lives. Do some of us live vicariously through social media? Like some live through television or through other imaginary superstars or heroes. It becomes like a new personality, especially if you use an anonymous name or a fake name. And then, of course, there's the real dark side, the predators, horror stories, young people being taken advantage of. And in general, an ability to distort, distort a reality when abused and exploited, can really hurt people. So, of course, as you know, I'm not here to advocate black and white, one or the other. But it's important for intelligent people, when they're given gifts and opportunities to look at it, because every gift, every opportunity, every blessing, can also become a curse. Take wealth, for example. Is wealth a blessing, a vice, or a virtue? Wealth, most of us would say, I wish I had it. Let it be a vice. Give me more of it. Why? Because money buys things, gives you ease, comfort, peace of mind, security. And you can really do whatever you want, basically, is the way people would put it. But is that really called freedom or is that called comfort? You can also be spoiled by money. You can be corrupt corrupt with money. So like all gifts, we need to understand that there's always two sides to it. 
And you have to always remember this is the third X component. And you know what that is? Not the object itself, not the money or the technology or the social media. It's you and I. In science, there's a term, time-space man. Actually, it's a term that originates, and I don't know if it traces its origins, but those familiar with the Kabbalistic concepts, all the way back in the, the earliest, the, one of the earliest, if not the earliest work in Jewish mysticism, it's called the Book of Formation, Sefer Yetzirah, and it's all built on this triad. In Hebrew, Oilam Shana Nefesh, space, time, nefesh is spirit or soul. Because everything in life, we're interacting, these three are interacting. It's you, the person, interacting with a particular time in a particular space. So the you is the most important element. It's not whether technology itself. There was no human beings on earth. Uh, well, there probably wouldn't be technology. But the power of technology, the power of the quantum reality, the power of subatomic forces at work would exist, but it would be completely neutral. It is the human being that is the deciding factor how these items will be used. And that can never be overstated. So we talk about money, and you talk about technology and social media, it all applies. In my book, Toward a Meaningful Life, and the chapter on science and technology, actually, I address this issue. I recommend the book. It's a classic. It's been around. People like that book, so here's a plug. So in the chapter of Science and Technology, I cite a story of a young girl who um, asked the question of uh, the Rebbe, my teacher, my mentor, is the issue then was it was the mid-40s, late-40s, Yes, the late 40s. And the question, big news was, the headlines was the atomic, was atomic energy. The atomic bomb had been released. I believe now it's there, they're honoring the, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, 1945. So that would be uh, 75 years ago. So the atomic bomb unleashed. Terrible tragedy. Millions killed, maimed, till this very day. So there's a lot of talk. On the other hand, atomic energy, a tremendous potential that when harnessed properly, changed the world. And then, of course, nuclear energy and other forms of energy. So her question is, a little girl, is atomic energy a good or bad thing? And the Rebbe responded to her and said, is a kitchen knife good or bad? At the time, she didn't realize it, but later she wrote me the letter. She wrote, I didn't realize this was a, pro a beautiful way of educating me because it made me think instead of giving me an answer, made me think. And I was thinking kitchen knife. Interesting question. On one hand, we cut food with it, and it's therefore an asset, a virtue. On the other hand, a knife can be used to hurt somebody, ourselves, another person, by accident, and deliberately, God forbid. So it's not a question whether it's good or bad, it's how it's used. It's neutral. It could be used for great things, it could be used for negative things. And that's how we have to look at and frame everything around us. One of the, I, I, I don't want to like to say problems, but one of the disturbing elements that you find is because of technology and because of so many comforts, we begin to use them as crutches. 
like almost feeling that you're not responsible. Am I responsible? Technology did it. Am I responsible? That's what they're feeding me on the news. It's like almost blaming the media for our decisions. Why? Because we're not making them ourselves. I mentioned we live vicariously. We're very impressionable. Especially visual stimulation has that impact. And we become what we watch. We become what we observe. We become what we read. Which is absolving ourselves of the responsibility of the third component. The soul, the spirit, the person. It's not just time and space. It's not just items out there. It's how you are going to interact with it. How are you going to use it? So in a way, as we get spoiled by more and more comforts, by more and more luxuries, by more and more ease of life, and less effort, so on one hand it's a blessing, yes, you can use the effort now for bigger and greater things, but you could also not use the effort and just take in, feed of the, from the cream, feed of the fruit of the land, the fat of the land, and just uh, indulge. Human responsibility never changes throughout history. It makes no difference whether you're using donkeys or camels or a postal service or email or social media. Human responsibility is always paramount and prominent and at the center of it all. It's an interesting statement in the Talmud, in the Mishnah. It says the human being was created as an individual, not as part of a group, not as part of a herd. So that eliminates herd mentality concept. That's not natural for a human being. We're individuals. Why? To teach us that each individual is responsible for the entire world. To the point that you're responsible to say the entire world was created for me. Not for me in an arrogant, selfish way. For my responsibility I'm responsible to protect the world, to elevate it, to refine it. So you can't say, oh, there's another group doing it. There's another individual doing it. There's millions of others, billions of others. You. And when you save a life, it's like saving a universe. And God forbid if you hurt a life, it's hurting the universe. Because every individual is like a universe. Then it continues and asks the question, if that's the case, why was the human being created last? Like in the, in the story, biblical story of creation. If the human being is so vital and responsible for the perfecting and protecting and, and perfecting the universe, that's the first thing that should have been created. And two answers are given. One is because the crown jewel, the ultimate guest at your table you don't first invite the guest and then you set the table first you set the table then you invite the guest to partake from the feast one reason and the human being is that guest so first the table was set the world was created complete universe the second reason seems to be completely antithetical, the opposite direction even contradicting the first reason and that is should a human being misbehave they're compared, they're, you're, they're told, or rather, who do you think you are? Even a yitush, even a fly, small insect, was created before you. So which one is it? Are we the most special guest, or are we lowlier than an insect? So there's a Hasidic phrase that helps answer that question. 
It says when a wicked person walks on the street, the cobblestones cry out and say, what right do you have to walk and tread upon us? We never defied our calling or mission in life. We're here stones, serving our purpose, serving our role. You've defied and betrayed your destiny, your calling, by hurting someone else. You're a criminal. You're walking on us. You're using us to tread upon. So in a way, you could say this about everything in this universe. Everything in this universe has its role. The sun rises, the moon rises. You have the animal kingdom. You have the, spe- the, vegetable, sp- the vegetable kingdom. You have the mineral. And each one of them has a multitude of species upon species upon species. They're each doing their job. It's only the human being that can either improve or disrupt. So when you take, when you're walking on a hot day, you see a juicy apple hanging on a tree. And you really get enticed. You say, I want to have that apple. There are three options. You rip the apple off the tree, you bite into it, indulge, and just go your merry way and even use that energy for more indulgence and even for selfish purposes. A second approach is you eat it calmly and that's that, neutral. Third approach, you honor it. You make a blessing on it. You recognize and with gratitude this is a gift given to you. It's not yours to indulge in. It's a gift. And you make a commitment that the energy that I will use, that I gain from the fruit that I will eat now and partake in, I will use to help other people. And in a metaphorical way, that apple, and there could be any fruit and it could be any item in existence, thanks you. Because as long as I was hanging on the tree, I was doing my role in the clockwork of the design of this universe. But it wasn't going beyond that and not beneath it. I stuck to my script. Now that you have consumed me and I've become part of your flesh and blood, I'm able to partake and partner with you in helping the human race and doing something kind to another. If option number one, then the apple says to you, like the cobblestones, what right? I was living peacefully, doing my job. What right did you have to rip me off my life in order to indulge and then use that energy to hurt someone? Is that what I t- signed up for? That's what you did to me? You imposed that on me? And the neutral, of course, nothing was gained, nothing was lost. My tree might, the apple might have left what could have been left on the tree. This is how we are to look at technology. And in our case, we're talking about social media. It's a gift. It's, it itself is based on a technology that's not even man-made. It's like the apple on the tree. Except we didn't know about this apple for many years. We didn't know how to tap into, just like we didn't know how to tap into electricity, we didn't know how to tap into these forces that allow for computers, for an internet, for social media. We tapped into it. We discovered and created interfaces and modules of accessing, just like we create appliances that, gener- that draw out, and we generate electricity and create appliances that en- are energized by that electricity. Here, too, we're tapping into forces in existence that for centuries, for millennia, were not known. We tapped into it and created great gadgets. I say great meaning, they offer many benefits. But it's still neutral, like the kitchen knife, like the apple, like the cobblestones. What are you going to do with it? 
Did you ever ask yourself that question? So in the morning, before you even begin, I always point out the prayer. Thank you for returning my soul to me. It's also thank you for all the gifts you've given me. Thank you for all the blessings we have in our lives. How am I going to use it? Will you take that mindset? Very different mindset. It's not just, oh, I got myself something, someone gave me a gift or I bought it. I have a new version, an update. And now I can do even more social media faster, quicker. More opportunities. No, there's always the question, what about you? So the answer, my friend, social media vice or virtue is, it depends on you. The social media has nothing about it, just like technology, that makes it bad or good. It's neutral. It's a tool. Is a hammer vice or virtue, a screwdriver, a kitchen knife, an automobile? Does it have a negative side that could be used as a weapon? Absolutely. But there someone has to use it that way. So it's about means and ends. It's about recognizing what is the object and what is its purpose. Now, many of us have not given this second thought. We have a technology. We learn, especially at a young age today, you figure it out. I'm entertaining myself. I'm talking to friends. I'm communicating. I'm texting. I'm chatting. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's like the medium has become the force itself. In marketing, quoting one of the gurus of marketing, the medium has become the message. And the message is the medium, rather. That's a big error when it comes to our personal lives. No, the medium is just a medium. It's you that should be defining how the kitchen knife should be used, not the kitchen knife defining how you should use it. And that's where we come in, the third element in that triangle. Space-time, you can fill in the blank and say technology, social media, and you. The you in it all. And that you makes the determination how that social media will be used. Yes, we can impose and try to write laws and regulation that different social media entities protecting our privacy, censorship, control of hate, not being manipulated for political purposes. We can do some, to some extent, there can be some general regulation. But at the end of the day, we live in a country where there's freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And though there is an element of respect, but at the end of the day, it's your choice. Forget about social media. What you send a letter to someone, when you call them on the phone, what are you going to say to them? It's the same question. Is it, is it a vice or a virtue? If you use the medium for something positive, you've elevated it. And if not, you've degraded it. And in many ways, that's the biggest crime because you're using a technology that doesn't belong to you. I don't mean the phone you bought. The te whole technology, that gift, just like the apple, just like the cobblestones, all of nature, you're using it for your own indulgence instead of for its deeper purpose. And that's the answer to that question. The powerful way the Mishnah puts it. The human being can be the great, is, is the special guest that can elevate the world like no one else can. Or if you don't, then you're lowlier than an insect because an insect never defied God's plan, God's will. So who do you think you are? You're created even after the, uh, even after the insect, the small insect.
it's all up to us. Will we be that special guest or will we be even inferior to an insect? So to take it back now to the, on a very practical level, here we are, we're faced with social media. Unfortunately, and I see this all the time, because I use it, our office uses it, for us it's a tremendous gift of distribution. We're constantly looking at how do we distribute more. Well, what are we distributing? We're distributing messages of hope, of love, of kindness, of courage, of resilience. And especially now, as an aside, I want to thank all of you for all your comments and feedback, thanking us, and we thank you in return for what we've been providing, especially in these last few months. It's been a tremendous gift, a lifeline, as many have called it. So we understand the virtue, but that is a choice made. We also see the other side. As I mentioned earlier, we see the dark side. But before the dark side, we see the, I don't want to say neutral side, but we see the frivolous side. Yeah, I'm texting, I'm chatting, nonsense, more important, less important. I mean, since we're talking about virtues, before I get to the negative, we also see family group have groups easy to schedule something, let everyone know. People can say, I'm coming, change of time. It's created a whole new way of communicating easily. And many are taking advantage of it. And then comes the more neutral or the frivolous, and then finally the negative. It is up to you and I how we're going to use it. Many parents write to me, what do I do with my children? My children, they're on the phone, they're entertained by it, can't get them, can't get them, get them away from it. And whatever rules you make, it's very hard to enforce, especially they go to a friend. I always smile to myself because I say the same questions for us adults. The only problem is we don't have parents calling us about adult children. Basically, the, 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 the watch guards, the parents can be the issue. I remember when we got an early computer Many years ago, so my daughter asks, should I put parental controls on the computer? The child is asking the parent whether she should put parental controls. We didn't, I didn't even know what parental controls were at the time. Or I definitely didn't exercise it. So the issue is really all around, not just for children, for all of us. Yes, children officially have parents and educators that should be directing them. And I've been thinking about it a lot because it's very difficult. What do you do? You ban the phone? Let's go over the extreme. So then they have friends and they feel deprived and they feel very resentful. You don't ban it just free use whenever. Yeah, it, it, can, it can dumb you down, numb your brain, like all visual stimulation. Go read a book. It's not as enjoyable. It's not as easy. Let's have a conversation. Again, it's very hard to compete with this little mobile <laughs> life-on-the-go instrument. So I'll tell you, using this approach, which of course is the tougher one, because obviously the way many parents, responsible parents, how they do, is they create some rules and guidelines. You can use the phone for an hour, if you eat well, an hour and a half. 
If you do your homework, you do your chores, you do your tasks. So it's a negotiation which works or doesn't work, every case by case. But here's an important thing, and this is going back to the, the best defense is offense, preemptive measures. It's not about the technology per se, it's about the child. Let's introduce the person. It's about human responsibility. And that's where there's not enough emphasis. So let's go to the root. If you're dealing with young children, remember, at one, years, one day old, a child is not yet connected to the social media or to other forms of technology. But when they begin becoming of age, the earliest age possible, just like when they learn to walk, and you teach them how to swim or how to ski or other things, the earlier the better because children adapt well, they assimilate well. When they learn it early, it becomes second nature to them. And it's not an uphill battle. The earliest age possible. And I would even say from birth, attitudes that the adult parents take and the adult children, siblings take, is we are responsible for our lives. And yes, we are blessed with different opportunities. We're blessed with different comforts. We're homes, technologies, communication, travel. We have many, many tools in our arsenal and instruments in our repertoire. Teach ourselves and teach our children, you control how it will be used, and everything in existence is waiting for you to make that choice. Infuse that into your children every morning and every evening before going, to, before going to sleep and when they awake. And throughout the day, reinforce it. I assure you that you'll have a very different attitude. Does that mean that all the challenges and vices disappear? Of course not. But you have a fighting chance. Because technology is not controlling you. You control it and you tell this to your child. The first time your child picks up a phone or uses yours, or some other way, or uses a friend's, a friend, say to the child in a very beautiful, gentle way, this, this gadget here, this item, is meant for you to bring light to the world, for you to bring kindness and generosity of spirit to the world. Specifically, every day when you use this, make sure that you send five beautiful messages to your friends. Whatever stage the child is at, listen, different children at different stages. What is a beautiful message? Good morning, how are you today? How are you feeling? It doesn't have to be generic. Find something personal. Share. You don't have to create your own thoughts. Share a nice quote. I read something nice that I'd like to share with you. If we teach our children at the youngest age that they be proactive in using these instruments, using social media for proper communication, for a healthy and light-driven, meaning a positive messaging, and then they understand what the purpose of it is. And then when they begin to use it for their own personal matters, like French, friendly chats, or even sometimes frivolous stuff, or just whatever children do, or adults do, you will have already infused and instilled and imbued in them that attitude. Cyclops should become second nature that for every time you use that social media platform, and I get this is true for everything, I'm just focusing on social media, they know before I play that game, before I do other things, let me share something. 
And it should be not an obligation, it should be a willingness. And to do this with love, an act of love, by seeing this is how we use technology, this is how we use items. Just like we sit down to a meal, we say a prayer, we say thank you, please, and we want to ingrain that in our children from the youngest of age, it just becomes natural. Natural kindness, and therefore natural using of all the technologies around us and platforms in a kind and beautiful and humane way. Once you instill that, everything else becomes secondary. Now again, there's no guarantee, but this is a, an assured way of training our children, and that's our responsibility today. We didn't have this responsibility before technology. The responsibility was on a more basic level. How we treat others, when you go to school, don't bully, be kind. So it's the same principle of responsibility. But the focus has to be, let's not forget, there are new machines today, there are new technologies, there are new platforms. And we have to adjust to that. And the emphasis has to be far more because it's not just a few interactions a child will have. Now it's a constant basis. We're inundated with the social media world. And this brings me back to the adults. What about us adults? We already are trained the wrong way. We don't think that way. Well, you know something? We're human beings. And we have that resilience and we have that spirit. And though our bodies and our habit are, are controlled by habits and patterns... But we all know we can break a habit. We can break a pattern. It's not easy. Because addiction is addiction. Even mild forms of it. But we have the power to do something about it. Ask yourself a very simple question. Are you living up to your calling? Are you that special guest? Or are you just trampling on this earth? Using, exploiting its resources for your own needs? It's not just about climate change and environmental protection. It's also about your very, da very daily choices of how you interact with everything around you. And I say everything, I mean not just humans. The animal world, how you eat the meal, the vegetable world, the mineral world. Brings to mind a story, it's always very touching. The previous Rebbe, Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneers tells the story in his diary, in his memoirs, in his talks, how he was once walking with his father, the great Rabbi Rashab, his father. They were walking in a, in a garden, having a conversation. As, as we all do, inadvertently or not even thinking about it, he ripped off a leaf from a tree and began to rub it. His father noticed and says to him, the way he put it is he's reprimanded him. And that lengthy discussion said to him, everything in this universe has energy, has purpose. You just took a leaf for no reason and decided to rub it, demolish it, and change its trajectory forever. How do you know what will have happened to this leaf? had you not touched it. Based on the Kabbalistic concept that everything has that spark of energy, and we know today, even on a scientific level, subatomic energy, and essentially reprimanded him. What right did you have to do that? 
Now the child then was innocent, it wouldn't mean anything, it wasn't a destructive act. But that's the sensitivity required of a human being. When you have that sensitivity to a leaf, you're going to have that sensitivity to animals, you're going to have that sensitivity to other human beings, you're going to have that sensitivity to everything that comes your way. Yes, your, uh, your smartphone, your mobile device, your iPad, your desktop, your laptop, all the names, and all those platforms, I understand they're not, they're man-made, but they're man-made using energy that is not man-made. So there's plenty of divine and purpose in that energy. Take that attitude. You don't just take a leaf and rub it. Will we always be perfect? Obviously not. It's not the point. The point is what you're aspiring to, not where you are. Aspiring is also not enough. You have to act on it. But it's about a journey. It's about a journey of deeper sensitivity, of higher awareness, of a more profound state of consciousness about everything around us. And especially the things that are right under our nose, the things that are in our hands, that we use on an ongoing basis today more than ever. This is what we turn to for information, for entertainment, for interaction, for socializing, for communication, for business. It's a gift that was given to you. And don't just rub it. Don't just waste it. Will we use it also for some of our frivolous things? That you have to work on to try to be a person that's living a more meaningful life, more purposeful. But it all begins with understanding the priority. That this leaf, like the apple, like the kitchen knife, like the cobblestones, in this case social media, is given to you as an opportunity to be used for the greatest virtue of all. The ability to reach and touch another human being or many human beings and transcending time and space. Meaning you don't have to travel there, doesn't have to wait, there's no delay. You press a button right now here, you post a message, a kind message, a compassionate message. You press a button and it can reach tens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, millions and billions of people. Is that not a gift? That's how we should be looking at social media. So once upon a time, if you wanted to reach that number, those numbers, you'd have to travel, you'd have to buy advertising, you'd have to who knows what. And even then, with all the limitations. Here, it's the press of a button. It's free. Reaching one person, reaching a billion people. It's the same effort. The only difference is the shift of your consciousness, your focus, your emphasis. And when you shift in that direction, using the words of Maimonides, one act, one good word, one good thought, tips the scales and brings personal and global redemption. It tips the scales. Today the scientists call it the butterfly effect. The flutter of the wings of a butterfly in Kansas City can create a typhoon in Singapore. And we see that. I mean, if COVID-19 has not taught us that, what has? A one microbe, invisible, 
Look what it's doing to the world. We can do the same in the positive, and that's a lesson we need to learn. One small act, one nice gesture, this word or thought is viral, has, has that viral impact, and social media proves it, because there you can actually implement it. Imagine if each one of us took this attitude and exponentially behaved this way. And we share this with others. Maybe this would be the first post if you're listening to this or when you'll be listening to this. That would be the first post. Let's make a resolution together and then pass that on to at least 10 others. And those 10 should pass it on to others. Create a ripple effect revolution that we will use social media like all gifts for kind, compassionate, virtuous, purposes. And it comes down to just sharing a nice thought. It shouldn't all be about neither nonsense, frivolous, or worse, hate. Love, kindness. Every one of us needs it. Is there someone in this world that cannot use a good, a good uplifting thought or feeling? A sentiment? An expression of love and kindness? I know, no, I know of no such person that cannot use that. Some of us more than others. But all of us need it. And it's never enough. Imagine that we can create a social revolution just through social media. And if we were able to do that, what kind of impact that would have? How would it spill over to the rest of our lives? Because it would create an attitude. First of all, proactive is always healthy instead of being reactive. Initiating. And secondly, initiating something good you know what kind of health that creates within you? How it feeds our souls, feeds our spirits, our psychology. All the fears and insecurities and demons we deal with. The best solution to them all is not slaughtering them. is shining the light. And automatically it dispels the negative. So this isn't just a benefit for everyone else. It's a benefit for us above all. Yes, it's a lot of fun using social media and other platforms, but how much more, how much richer would it be? How much more fulfilling would it be when you know at the end of the day or throughout the day, I've used this tool to bring my unique voice, my special light, my extraordinary contribution to helping make the world a little more refined. And in the process, creating personal and global redemption. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, www.meaningfullife.com. And yes, we are on all the social media platforms. So please share this. Above all, share this one, this program, because of its, its, technology, its relevance to our social media. Like, please share your comments, feedback, suggestions, because we are in it together. We all need each other. Besides that each element has its individual energy, including the leaf, we're all, there's all there's a symbiotic relationship that we, the human, can 
orchestrate, literally be like the conductors of a symphony of so many diverse elements. Unite them all, a harmony within the diversity. So please join us, please partner with us. This program is every Wednesday, 8.30 Eastern Time. But it's archived and accessible at all times, downloadable as MP3, podcast, and all other formats. And check out our calendar at MeaningfulLife.com and you'll find an array of literally daily programs and offerings that provide emotional, psychological, and spiritual resources, empowering resources for our lives, especially today. Thank you so much. Be blessed. And see you soon again. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.